Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Monday Morning Quarterback Podcast. It is January 10th, more importantly than the date. It is Wild Card Weekend. 18 teams are home, 14 teams are going on, and 12 of them will be in action this weekend. We have two games on Saturday, three on Sunday, and one on Monday night. We're going to get into all of them. We're going to talk about the Lions for each game, make our predictions. We're also obviously going to talk about uh, what has been Black Monday extended this year. As uh, coaches keep getting fired, right before we're coming on, Pete Carroll and the Seahawks uh, mutually deciding that he's going to stay on as an advisor, but he's not going to be the head coach anymore. Matt Eberflus will stay on in Chicago, but Matt Getzey not surviving uh, as the offensive coordinator there. The Giants and and Wink Martindale moving on mutually. Uh, And, of course, some other firings around the league, Arthur Smith, Ron Rivera, so on and so forth. We'll get to all of it. Uh, But before we do any of that, let me welcome in my good friend here and colleague, Gilberto Manzano. What's going on? Hey, Matt. Uh, not too not too much going on here, but uh, I'm a little cold today, but I shouldn't complain because I just checked the weather report in uh, Buffalo and Kansas City. So here in L.A., uh, 51 degrees, I should just take it and shut up, right? Dude, I shoveled snow last night for an hour <laughs> and a half, um, and it was like 30. It wasn't that bad, but I am headed to Kansas City Saturday to cover this game for us. Um, I'm bringing every layer I've got. So I mean, you know, look. If you have you ever covered a game at Arrowhead, I have uh, a, a couple cold ones, but nothing in the snow or anything too too bad. So the reason I ask is for people out there listening who maybe aren't familiar with this. So a lot of stadiums, if you're if you're with the media, you park in your own separate little lot, or maybe it's like a shared lot, you know, with with some other people uh, that have passes, and you walk in. And I don't mind being the guy who's who's you know out there with the fans. In fact, like I enjoy that. Um, I. I, I think that's a lot of fun. However, at Arrowhead, you park wherever the hell they tell you to park. <laughs> and last time I was there, they played the Eagles, and it rained. And we parked in a field that got very muddy as the night went on. And I remember just getting in the car and thinking, like, well, these dress shoes are garbage. Uh, just caked in mud. Not going to be muddy this time, but it, it, it's, it literally is about a 25 to 30-minute walk. It is going to be a cold walk, so I am, I am going to wear everything I've got to get me into that stadium. But I'm actually in a weird way, like I, I, I like weather games, 
So I think this is going to be a lot of fun. And then Buffalo, it's, you're talking wind gusts up over 55 miles an hour. That, that, you, know, I, you, know, you know what? What the hell? Let's start here. Do you think, are you a big weather guy? Do you think the weather plays a big factor this weekend in those games? Or do you think it's overrated? I think there's something to it, but like obviously the Bills are used to it, and then the Steelers are used to it too as well. Miami would probably be the only one that would be uh, drastically affected by it. Obviously, the Chiefs know how to play at Arrowhead Stadium. Many playoff games are in January in the cold, uh, so they're used to that. But maybe Miami, a team that's you know built on speed, some smaller dudes out there, a lot of injuries, so it could be pretty bad. And then I'm also wondering about the total line here. Like a lot of these, you know, these bets are, are they going to be under bets because of the weather too? We saw what happened. It wasn't yeah. like a like a, a snow game or too cold, but that rain in Baltimore last week, but it was like six or seven fumbles against Brutal. the Steelers, was pretty bad. It was a bad watch, but I'm hoping it doesn't affect like the product too much in terms of the, the play style. But hey, that's I like football with the elements and the natural grass, all this kind of like artificial turf and these shiny five billion dollar dome stadium. I, I don't like it. I know it's modern, uh, but I do you know appreciate the old school football. Yeah, I do too, and you know I think. I think you're right. I think um, it's well put. I I actually think the wind in Buffalo is going to affect the game more than the cold in Kansas City. I mean, yes. Like, look, when you start getting into it, you're talking about negative 10 with the wind chill. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be some players in the Dolphins who aren't exactly overly thrilled to be standing out there. I, I get it. But the wind, in my opinion, in terms of the way you can play, has a bigger impact on the game. It. Like, you can throw the ball in the cold. It's not easy if you don't drive it because the ball's slicker. Um, you know, it doesn't cut through the air quite as well. Uh, but when you're talking 50-mile-an-hour winds, like, you can't throw the ball. I mean, that becomes everything's got to be underneath. you got to run the ball. If I'm the Bills, I am praying that the wind goes away in this game because that is the great equalizer. Like, if you're the Steelers and you're like, hey, man – you can't throw it deep. Like, don't worry about it. I mean, I understand that's Gus, but they're still talking about 25, 30 mile an hour consistently. That, I mean, for people who aren't familiar with it, that is windy. I mean, that is really, really like, if, I don't care how hard you throw the ball. If you throw the ball down the field and it hangs in the air, it's going to move. Um, I'm fascinated by it. I'm really interested to see how this affects. Obviously, three games are going to be played in the Dome this weekend. The other one's down in Tampa. Uh, Tampa's not expected to have weather that's going to really impact the game. But yeah, Buffalo and Kansas City, you might get some weirdness in those games just based on how how weird the weather is. Yeah, and then uh, I guess like to your point with the Steelers, like, oh, there's uh, the bad weather elements. We don't need to throw it. It's Mason Rudolph. And it's better than Kenny Pickett, I'll just say that, but to not right. diss Mason Rudolph too badly. And then Josh Allen has an arm strength, but he's also known for uh, turnover. So it could definitely play a factor and and it's weird, Matt, because we we had to do our picks here for uh, the MMQB staff picks, and you know I, I went chalk at the end with with the one one there, and but I'm thinking like it's been such a weird year, like why am I doing this? I should pick some more ups. I think I I got a few ups in there. I feel like, but they don't seem too chaotic for me. And then when you bring up all the weather elements, I'm like, yeah, I probably messed up here. There should be something weird occurring, especially when it's the Bills. I know the Steelers. I want to count them out, and I actually forked them like a month ago, uh, Matt. But then Mason Rudolph changed everything. But yep. definitely with, with the Bills team who are so inconsistent, even that victory in Week 18 was such a weird up-and-down Bills-like game. Yeah, it was it was bizarre. The Bills both, like, in one hand, destroyed Miami and also lucky to win. Like, simultaneously, both things were true with them. Um, but let's get into – so 
we've got the six-pack of games, which I'm just sure at this point everybody knows which games are which. We start off Browns-Texans in Houston, then go to Miami-KC. Sunday, you get the triple header, Bills-Steelers, Cowboys-Packers in Dallas, of course, and then the Rams at the Lions, which is fascinating for a variety of reasons. We'll get that game here in a moment. And then the Monday night game, which I still hate that there's a Monday night game in the playoffs. I think that's stupid. But uh, the uh, Buccaneers hosting the Eagles. Which game or which games, if, if you prefer, are you most just excited to watch? Do you feel like they're going to be the best games of the weekend? We'll put it this way. You know, I, I usually don't react too much to, to, to a football game, but when Carson Wentz dove into the end zone uh, in that meaningless game against the 49ers, it, it told me, okay, we have a chance for uh, Rams, Detroit Lions. And so Carson yeah. Wentz gets a shout out there for uh, making that happen. So, you know, it's kind of been on my radar for a month now. You know, you know Matthew Stafford going back to Detroit with a Super Bowl ring and it's so many emotions I'm guessing for him you know after that that it came to fruition on was on Sunday so so many storylines it's not just Stafford going back it's uh Jared Goffick and Sean McVay actually this entire weekend feels like a revenge game for everybody so somebody has some kind of revenge factor there but uh Jared Goff pretty much was cast aside like he took he went to the Super Bowl with Sean McVay but it wasn't enough and then you got the Brad Holmes last thing kind of affect there the G the GM the mentor and the protege and Brad Holmes is doing a terrific job uh, out there so and then you know and kind of to a wrinkle too like maybe Detroit's kind of being counted out a little bit like the Rams which I hate because they're you know they're one of my upsets somewhat became a trendy upset now and everybody's predicting this especially with Sam Laporta going down so I want to see how Detroit responds they're at home first playoff game in 30 years so just too many storylines for me to keep track of it and I loved all of it yeah, look, I, I, to me, that's the game as well that I'm most excited to watch. I think you get that opinion from a lot of people. So, I'll, but I'll go a different direction here. I, I think that the, the Texans Browns game in an odd way. Like, I don't think either team can make a Super Bowl run. But and I know some people disagree with me with Cleveland. Uh, but it's an interesting game because C.J. Stroud is absolutely a star at this point. He's a terrific young player. And you couldn't have more of an opposite situation. Like Flacco's 38, but they're both kind of in this moment where it's like, hey, man, nothing to lose. If you're Flacco, all right, go for it. And if you're Stroud, hey, probably the first of many runs into the play into the playoffs. Um, I think it's a really interesting game. Like the matchup itself is interesting. You have this great Cleveland defense against a Houston offense that at times has been very explosive. Nico Collins destroyed the Colts. Can he do the same against the Browns? You know the Browns are going to key on him in this game with Tank Dell out for the year. And then on the other side of the coin, I just wrote my film study, and I, I focused on the three games that we've already seen this year. Texans-Browns was one of them, Week 16, although Stroud didn't play. Flacco just destroyed them, throwing the ball deep down the field. Destroyed them. D'Amico Ryan's great defensive coach. Can he take them to school a little bit? And can he learn something? Now, if the AFC holds to form in the other two games, the Bills and the Chiefs win as favorites. Whoever wins this Houston-Cleveland game is going to Baltimore. And you're either going to have Flacco going to Baltimore, which is ridiculous, or you're going to have Stroud going up there. And I don't mean this as a slight on Lamar in, in any way. But it's crazy to think. like If he goes up there, Lamar Jackson and C.J. Stroud both have one playoff win. Hmm. And like you couldn't have more pressure on one guy and less on another. I mean, if there's ever a game where the Texans are like, hey, man, fake punts razzle-dazzle, what? I mean, that game's it. And if you're the Ravens, you're tighter than a drum for that game going into it. Like, you're like, oh, my God, if we ever lose this thing. So 
I'm fascinated by that game. I think in the AFC, it will be the most competitive of the three. Yeah, you know, that's actually a sneaky good matchup too. And, you know, like you mentioned, it already happened but without C.J. Stroud. And, you know, everything you look on paper, everything you saw from games throughout the whole season, it's, it's an obvious indicator that the Browns have a better roster. They have the, the good yeah. defense. You know, Joe Flacco, when he got at it, that offense became explosive. They got good coaching too as well. You know, but they are the road team going to the team with the better quarterback. So that adds another wrinkle of like a surprise, an upset here. So, you know, you know, it's a little random, Matt, but watching CJ Stroud, and I've been watching him all year long, so I don't know why you need a reminder uh, on Saturday night against the Colts and how special he was in that performance. It, it kind of told me like, okay, this whole dilemma with the Bears and Justin Fields, we've been waiting on Fields to do something like that for three years. That should tell me that they should go take a chance on Caleb Williams or Drake May because when you have CJ Stroud guy, a guy coming into your franchise immediately contribute like that. You just feel good about everything. And I'm sure the Texans are feeling good about, you know, everything that came out their way. And they're probably going to give credit to Lovey Smith for, for going for a two-point conversion. <laughs> they get the t- number two pick. When you have a quarterback that young and that special, it just changes everything. So it kind of makes it feel like, yeah, maybe the Bears should try and get a quarterback. So, uh, But that's a different point there. And I think CJ, having a C.J. Stroud, they just feel a little like a little dangerous and maybe they can make – like a run because they have the best quarterback on the field. And we'll see what happens if they do get that far to the Baltimore scenario that you, that you laid out. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Look, I want to talk to you, because we haven't spoken about this here in a few days. I'd like to talk to you about all the coaching moves and the, and the changes and, and kind of what we saw coming, maybe what we didn't see coming. Obviously, everybody knew Ron Farrow was going to be out. That's not a surprise. Or Arthur Smith, I think the general thought was he's probably going to be out. And then he ended up being out three straight seasons of seven wins. It's usually going to get it done. You're, you're going to be canned. Um, ended with a bang, though. Screaming at Dennis Allen because Dennis Allen had no idea Jameis Winston was going to run the ball and out of victories. That's good. That's good. By the way, if that doesn't encapsulate what the Saints are right now, I have no, I just absolutely no idea what's happening. Um, but the Falcons, now without a head coach. The Commanders, without a head coach. Uh, Eberflus in Chicago stays. Luke Getzey is gone. Of course, the Chargers, we know, have an opening. The Raiders, maybe Antonio Pierce comes back, but technically they have an opening. Mike Vrabel out in Tennessee. I think that was something that you heard whispers, but gone, like actually gone. Uh, By the way, just as a quick aside, I love that the Titans after that were like, listen, we know we could have traded him, 
but it was complicated and we wanted to move on. How complicated is it? Call up the teams with a vacancy and be like, hey, want Mike Vrabel? And get your best offer if there's an offer forthcoming. And if not, fine. This idea that it was too complicated, you could have got a pick. You could have got multiple picks. Like you just you just cut the guy. That to me was insane. But they are now without a coach. The Jags making a lot of coaching changes on both sides of the ball, but Doug Peterson remains. Um, and then, of course, here on Wednesdays, we're preparing for this. Pete Carroll, uh, going to stay with the organization, but not as the head coach. He is gone. Um, of all the openings right now, at head coach, not so much at the assistant positions, but a head coach, which is, and I, I should also mention Carolina as an opening, of course, which of these openings most entice you and which is maybe the opening that either you feel like is overrated or is just an opening you wouldn't go anywhere near? Yeah, it's, it's so much to unpack. And like you mentioned, it, it wasn't just, you know, a, a Monday firing. They've just been happening Tuesday, Wednesday. And I wouldn't be surprised it happens more after the playoffs too. And, and all these rumors are kind of circling around uh, uh, Mike McCarthy who doesn't win that playoff game for the Cowboys Packers. And then what's going on with the Patriots? We still haven't seen anything going on there. And I, I got to give you an answer eventually, but, but real, real, real quick here, like, you know, you would think like the Titans would be like, you know what? We saw that mess there with Dennis Allen and the Saints there. And I know they already reported that they're going to bring them back, but why can't you just pick up the phone call and say, you know what? Do you really want to run it back again? You know, we got Mike Brabo available. Do you want to do it? And they didn't even pick up the phone call. So that was just a weird scenario. But I'll start with, with Seattle for most intriguing because I think they're one of the, they're probably, well, there's a few disappointing teams that occurred this year, but they're one of the most disappointing teams in the NFL and they have a star studded roster and maybe they need to make an upgrade at quarterback with Geno Smith because he, he regressed uh, a couple steps backwards this year. But, you know, I, I just want to see, is it going to be Dan Quinn and, you know, what happened to like, you know, giving everybody a fair opportunity to interview for that job? And it looks pretty obvious like they're going to go in for Dan Quinn. So, you know, maybe they, they do a, a proper uh, uh, interview process and they, they they hire somebody. Because at first, man, when I was thinking it's going to be like five or six openings, I'm like, okay, it's going to be the same names. You know, probably get a Jim Harbaugh, get a Bill Belichick, maybe a Dan Quinn, a Ben Johnson, and a Mike McDonald. And that's about yeah. it. And I'm like, yeah, so much for diversity right there and uh, opening the pool there. But now with 10 jobs possibly or eight or nine. I'm intrigued to see who emerges and, and who's going to be a, a stud candidate that you want to take a chance on and, and it prevails. So if somebody lands in Seattle with that roster and you find a quarterback, that's very intriguing to me. The one with, with Washington, that's the one, like, I know they have a top three pick. It might be the top two, so it could th- definitely change your fortunes if you get a, a good quarterback. But you're going to something new with a new ownership group, and, like, we all seen what happened with David Tepper. Like, it takes a while for these owners to figure it out. And I know he's been in, in the sports world already, but it's not football. And it's just been such a mess there that you kind of feel for Ron Rivera, one of the nicest guys when it comes to the media and just being available. And I, I like that the, the column that Connor Orr wrote, like, hey, he turned a dumpster fire into something respectable. And you should remember that. But it's just too much unknown there. They have a lot of holes, especially defensively. They got Scary Terry, and that's about it, I feel like, at least uh, on my radar. But... Uh, yeah, Seahawks are very promising, and then I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to think of the 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 commanders until they start making some more moves. So, and by the way, uh, the one team we didn't even list because it's not an opening yet is New England, where you don't know what's going on yet with Belichick. So that's something, of course, to monitor. So I will actually kind of go the other way here. I think Washington is one of the best jobs available for the first time mm. in a quarter century because second overall pick, so they can get Mayor Williams. Um. Not a ton tied up in the cap sheet, so you can make some moves. Harris, as you mentioned, owns 
some other teams in, in sports, the Devils, who I'm a fan of in, in hockey, so I'm familiar with them, and the 76ers. And I'll say one thing for him, man. He spends money. He wants to win. He spends money. And both those franchises, when he took them over, sucked. And now they're respectable. Both teams have been going deep in the playoffs lately. Like, I also think, too, there's a, there's a certain thing of, like, you can only go up. They've been awful for 25 years, man. Like, if you become decent, my God, they'll build a statue to you if you win a division title. So, I like the job there. Uh, I think the worst job is Carolina, and I don't even I don't even think it's particularly close. You don't have the pick, okay? Bryce Young, I'm not throwing dirt on the kid, but the reality is he was awful as a rookie. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. He was awful. So now you're sitting there going, okay, I gotta I gotta rebuild his confidence. I gotta rebuild the team around him that doesn't have a draft pick in the first round. Okay, and you got a lot to build. I mean, it, obviously this is a team that went two and fifteen, didn't lead once in the fourth quarter. Like this is a team that. There are massive, massive holes on that roster. And the, the biggest thing is Tepper. Do you want to go work for Tepper? I don't. He just fired a guy after 11 games. I don't want to work for David Tepper. Elsewhere, the one thing that intrigues me the most is you see a lot of this smoke about Harbaugh and whether he's going to go to the Raiders or the Chargers. I defer to you. You covered the, you know, you covered out there, and, and, and you know the Chargers intimately. The Chargers are not exactly a team that goes out and spends a fortune on coaching. I have a really hard time seeing them outbidding everybody for Jim Harbaugh. I just do. The Raiders, to me, make a lot more sense. First of all, if you're him from a financial perspective, no state tax, that's great. Secondly, you know Davis, to his credit, he'll spend the money. Now, he may make bad decisions, but he'll spend money. I mean, this is the same owner that gave Gruden $100 million. Okay, they will spend the money. And if I'm Harbaugh, I know that if I go there, there's a damn good shot that like I'm gonna have a massive say in things. Now the Chargers are looking for a GM as well. Maybe you can parlay that. I just I look at it and say, even though the Chargers have Herbert, I actually think that's a worse job in some ways. They're gonna have to gut that roster. Their their cap sheet is is in hell right now. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, all making over 30 million next year. Corey Lindsley's gonna have to retire, unfortunately, with the heart issue. Austin Eckler's a free agent. What are you walking into? You know, and they're the only damn team in the league that got no home field advantage. So, like, if, if I'm Harbaugh, I think the Raiders make more sense. Maybe Spano shocks me and finally ponies up some dough. I just don't think that a guy who, frankly, has never spent money on a coach, ever, is now all of a sudden going to go and spend huge dollars on Harbaugh. I think it's more out there to be out there. Like, hey, we're thinking about it. But in reality, you're going to end up with a first-time, you know, like an Aaron Glenn type. Uh, you know, a, a guy... You know who's who's a first-time head coach. Steve Wilkes, I know they're they're going to bring him in for an interview. Leslie Frazier, who would be a second-time head coach, going to bring him in for an interview. I think they they're more likely, just from a financial perspective, to go that route than they are to spend twenty million a year on Harbaugh. Yeah, you know, I'll add to that. The only thing I feel like they're really serious about is getting an experienced head coach. And if Dan Quinn does go to Seattle, that's, that's somebody off the board there. And if you want a Jim Harbaugh, you're right. They, they better pay up. You know, somewhere in, you know north of fifteen million dollars. I don't know, maybe even twenty million dollars per year. And I see all the reports saying that they're connected to Harbaugh. And yeah, you got to do that because you want to please your fan base. And you want to show effort in in L.A. Right. And, and Matt, this is this was their year to take some momentum from the Rams, and the Rams are supposed to rebuild. And no, it, things don't just don't change. So uh, you got to make a at least an attempt. But I just don't know how sincere they are about it. Like, imagine if they, they say, you know what, whatever you want, Jim, you can even hire your GM. But the back of their mind, they're probably thinking, please stay in Michigan. Please stay in Michigan. Do not take this check that we don't really want you to take. But 
I think they're going to make a full effort, but it won't be as easy as everybody's connecting the dots with Jim Harbaugh. I think maybe him going back to Michigan could be serious. Uh, if the bidding war goes up, there's not talks about the Raiders being potential. I do believe Harbaugh when it comes to having some you know interest in the NFL, and but I think it's more being on the West Coast. I can see the Raiders making a full effort, and Mark Davis likes to take a swing there. So it becomes a bidding war, becomes too much. Right. That's where where you start. You don't you don't really believe in the in the Chargers making a full effort. But you're right. Everything else besides the quarterback, it does not look pretty good out there. No, it's, I mean really, when you look at it, it's Herbert who's awesome, and then it's a whole bunch of like. I don't know, man. You're really enthused about the rest of that roster after all the guys you're going to have to cut from that team and move off from that. I mean, that is. Now you do have the fifth overall pick, so you can you can get a premium player there, you know, in, in theory. But man, that's tough. Um, lastly, on the coaching stuff, and we'll get back into the playoffs here. Uh, Vrabel, I I don't know about you. I was I was surprised. I wasn't shocked. I was surprised that they moved off of Vrabel. Look, I get it. The last couple of years haven't been good. They have had no quarterback. The last few years, like none. And that's been a team that has declined in roster. I mean, don't forget, Rand Carthon came in last year as the GM, and he basically gutted a lot of the veterans from that, from that squad, trying to reset it. And I don't blame Carthon for doing that. But, like, when you do that, you're not going to have as good of a season. I get Tennessee collapsed at the end of the last season. That team was almost in a playoff spot. Like, that team was atrocious roster-wise and still almost made the playoffs. This year, not as much, obviously, you know, not really being a factor, but... Man, I think Vrabel's a damn good coach. And if I was one of these teams that was looking to rebuild, like I'll tell you right now, Vrabel's the kind of guy if I'm the Chargers I'd bring in there. Because that guy is a culture setter. He's a tone setter. Pair him with a really good offensive coordinator and let him go to work. I don't buy for a second all this stuff about, well, you can't hire a defensive-minded coach. Why the hell can't you? I mean, John Harbaugh is a special teams coach, for God's sakes. They're number one seed in the league, number one seed in the AFC, best record in football right now. You know, McDermott has the Bills as a two-seed, and they've been in the playoffs year after year after year. He's a defensive-minded coach. Paired himself with Dorsey. Paired himself with Dable, right? Paired himself now with Joe Brady. I don't buy for a minute that you can't be successful as a defensive-minded head coach in the NFL right now, but you do, if you're Vrabel, I think you need to find that, that yin to the yang, right? That offensive mind to go with you. But if I'm the Chargers, like, that's the guy I want. I want somebody who can come in there and stop the charging nonsense where they blow these games and they're constantly making mistakes. Like that guy to me, he's somebody who could go in there and fix things. Yeah, and it's a good opportunity because the Patriots are still having to decide what's going on with Bill Belichick. Right. So go pick up the phone and call Mike Rabel and stop waiting around for for Jim Harbaugh to celebrate his national title. Like he's probably gonna take a week or two off. Yeah. Who knows, really? But you know, going off of the Mike Rabel thing, it is an interesting dynamic that occurred. Like, I don't blame uh, the GM Rand either because it, was, it wasn't the best roster. And at some point, you got to move on. Like, the core with Tannehill and Derrick Henry just wasn't working. And they, they already screwed it up with A.J. Brown, things like that. And but and it feels like maybe Mike Rabel wasn't ready to do that because he just he doesn't seem like a guy who wants to re- reset and, and, and tank away the season. He wants to be competitive. And that's why you see them beating the Jaguars, which I actually kind of enjoyed there because you better earn that division. You're not going to go through me. And they embraced the spoiler rule. And I know last year was pretty bad. I think they lost like seven games in a row. But it wasn't a good roster. And they're still pushing people. They're making games muddy. They're going to make you earn it. Yep. And, I, and I know Will Levis wasn't like one of the prize prospects. And, and he has a lot of issues, too, coming out of college. And that's why people kind of stayed away from Levis. He fought the second round. I love what I saw. He So that shows me he knows how to work with young talent and elevate them. So I don't know what happened with Rand and the ownership and, and, and Mike Rabel. It's just a bummer they couldn't figure it out because Mike Rabel is a good coach. And, yeah, he doesn't have that offensive background. But 
Uh, he knows how to let the coordinators do their job. He knows how to motivate people. Uh, and, and this nonsense, like you mentioned, of, of blowing games at the end, that won't happen with Mike Rabel. He knows how to figure things out like that. So, hey, all these other teams, if like you're like Dennis Allen, like you you told guys, or even on Robert Sala, you're coming back. It's, it's a business. Just say that we didn't know Mike Rabel was going to be around. And maybe right. you kind of go and say, hey, some things occur. Let's have a talk. Robert Sala, come into my office. But things like that. I, like, I never liked these teams that ha- they're on the fence. Like, even like a Matt Eberflus, who I did like what he did defensively. But when you're considering and you're thinking for a couple of days and you say, F it, let's do it again, it's never a good recipe. At least I feel like. Yeah, I, I didn't mind them keeping Eberflus, but I minded the fact it took them 48 hours to figure it out. <laughs> like, shouldn't you just know? It's like, get, it's like proposing or getting married to somebody and you're sitting there and you're like, you know, I don't know. Maybe I got to think about this. If you got to think about it, don't do it. Like, don't do it for for a million reasons. Okay, I feel like it's the same thing here. All right, we're going to go into the bigger story here, but we kind of already talked about the bigger story, which is Stafford going back to Detroit and what that's going to look like and anything else. And we t- we're, we're going to talk about Flacco, but of course we got into that as well. So we're going to call an audible. We're going to bypass the bigger story since we already kind of talked about the bigger story, and we're going to get into it more here as we get into the odds for the games. So. We got Wild Card Weekend, which, by the way, will never, ever, ever in my eyes be called Super Wild Card Weekend. That's a disgrace. Um, there has not been a ton of movement on these lines. The only game that's moved in the last couple of days is Kansas City game. Um, of course, we're using SI Sportsbook, SISportsbook.com. You go there, check it out. It has all your needs, uh, gambling needs for whatever sport you may be looking at. Um, but let's break it down. Normally, we look at five games. Of course, this time we're going for the full six-pack. Uh, and we're just going to go in order of the way the games are going to be played uh, as far as the schedule is concerned. So there are two teams that are laying points as the road team. And one of them, Cleveland Browns. They are on the road. They are going to Houston. Houston, the four seed. Browns, the five seed. The Browns are favored by two and a half as they go to uh, Energy Stadium. Do you like Cleveland here as the, the small favorite? Or do you think Houston's getting a little bit of disrespect? This is a this is a tough one to kind of decide, but I I, I think it, it's the right line here for the Browns to get the respect. They have the better team. The Texans are home and they're young, but they have a bunch of injuries too. You know, obviously we all know yep. about Tank Dell, but that's that's what made it pretty impressive last week. C.J. Stroud, no Noah Brown, no Robert Woods, and just said, you know what, let's throw a bomb in the first play, and it worked out. So that that was perfect. And then you have injuries too on the defensive side. Uh, Jonathan Grenard, uh, you know, to name a few, but and I think Will Anderson Jr. is dealing with an injury, but yep. I'm gonna go off of what you said earlier, and why this is an intriguing game. And I'm, a, you know, I'm gonna go off of that point. Like they have C.J. Stroud, and I've been a, wrong a lot. I'm not ever afraid to admit when I'm wrong. I know I'm wrong a lot, but every time I pick the Texans, they make me look good. And I've been kind of backing them, you know, this year. I know I was a little late to the party, but when when I when they were doing well, and I looked at their schedule, I'm like they're gonna win ten games, and sure enough, they got to ten and seven. So, you know what? You know, I, I like. Taking a, a home underdog here with a good quarterback with the quarterback edge and Flack was playing well, so I like taking the Texans here, and, and I just expected something kind of, you know, I am expecting some kind of like magic for CJ Stroud in this game, and and when, like the Colts knew that he's going to go to Nico Collins all day, and they couldn't stop it, so they have yep. a nice one-two punch there. We'll see if they have a better kind of running game with De- Devin Singletary. I like the coaching from D'Amico Ryan's. I like Bobby Slovak too as well. So uh, they got some young pieces defensively with Derek Stingley Jr. So you know what? It could be a long, long day for them to get some points against Miles Garrett in that very good secondary. But I just believe in CJ Stroud. I believe in D'Amico Ryan's. They've been a fun story. Uh, I don't feel confident about this pick, but I'm just going to roll with it because they've been good to me all year. 
of the games, this is one of the two harder picks for me this weekend. Um, Julie had a compelling case, and I think well, Houston clearly is the better quarterback. I know Flacco's been a great story, but Stroud's a better player right now. Um, I love Ryan's as a head coach. I thought he'd be a home run hire when he was hired, and, and that's proven true. And like you, I'm wrong all the time, but I was right on that one. He, he's been excellent. Um, I do think that Cleveland is the more complete team. I, I do feel that way. I also feel like they have some more experience in the playoffs a couple of years ago. Um, I like Cleveland in this game close. But again, of all the games, this one and the Lions-Rams game, is the, th- those two are the hardest ones for me to pick. I think Houston could certainly win. Um, can Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator, can he get creative and find ways to scheme open Nico Collins? Can they get some of the run game going with Devin Singletary? If they can do those things, I really like their chances. The other thing that concerns me is the Browns get chunk plays on offense. The Texans this year, they will give up the play down the field. The communication's been lacking at times. I like Cleveland. I think it's a tight game. I think it's something like 27-24. And I do think Houston's going to score that much because Cleveland's defense on the road has not been anywhere near as good as it's been at home. Splits are ridiculous on the road. So give me Cleveland, but give them to me in a tight game, a game that comes down to the last you know, five minutes or so. Um, all right, let's stay in the AFC. By the way, this is a weird slate. I, I don't think I can ever remember all three games from one conference being played before any of the other conference gets going. But in any event, that's where we're at. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah. So, I'm weird. Saturday night on Peacock. Congratulations, everybody. <laughs> Peacock. Um, that's, why, that's why I requested a credential. I don't want to pay. No, I actually have Peacock. It's a decent service. Uh, the Dolphins going to Kansas City. The weather forecast you might have heard. It's really, really freaking cold. Zero degrees expected to kick with a wind chill anywhere between negative 10 and negative 15. Not expected to have snow, but it is going to be bone chilling. It could be the third coldest game in NFL history at kickoff, depending on the actual temperature. The only two games that are definitely going to be colder, games called the Ice Bowl and the Freezer Bowl. So it's going to be a little bit chilly. Kansas City at home. They won the AFC West. They're the three seed. The Dolphins went wire to wire, all prepared to host a, a playoff game or two as the AFC East champion. But then losing their final two games, they are the six seed. The Chiefs favored by four and a half, lined open at three and a half. Uh, your thoughts on what could be a game where people walk out with frostbite? Yeah, first of all, the whole Peacock thing makes me laugh because as a boxing fan, and people always complain on boxing Twitter <laughs> about paying for the pay-per-view. I'm not going to pay for that fight. That's not worthy of $60, yeah, $70. Uh, yeah, and you always yep. do. And and, and with, with, with Peacock, I already have Peacock anyway because I'm also a WWE fan, so they got a lot of their uh, big events on there. So you, know, you get to watch The Office, you know, reruns all the time. What's wrong with that? So uh, people are losing their minds about that. And, you know, going – and it's going to happen. It's the way of the world. But anyways, uh, going to the game here, you know – there's there's one team I have very very little faith in in uh, playing in cold condition. It's the Miami Dolphins. You know I wanted to give them a lot of love when they when they beat the Cowboys and people were saying to me like you know just because the Dolphins beat the Cowboys like it, they shouldn't be automatic you know contenders and I'm like well I like their defense and then everybody that plays edge, edge rusher got injured so they don't even have defensive uh, you know depth right now or pass rushers. You got to go chase Patrick Mahomes right now in the elements and then. They're just a small, speedy team. And then when the game's on the line, and I've seen it time and time again, Tua just doesn't deliver. 
and you're in the playoffs and we get it. You got you got Tyreek Hill and you can't do much to stop him. Maybe the Chiefs could do it because they know him pretty well. And I'm actually glad this matchup uh, turned out to be this way because the whole Germany thing where you know Tyreek couldn't go back to Arrowhead Stadium. We're going to get that. And you always have a chance with Tyreek Hill. But, you know, we've got to see what happens with Jalen Waddle. We've got to see what happens with Raheem Mostert. And obviously they're decimated on the defensive side. But I just have very very little faith in this team. And also they're not even explosive offensively. They do it for stretches and it usually comes in the first half. But we saw it against the Philadelphia Eagles. We saw it in Germany against the Chiefs. We saw the beatdown against the Ravens. To their credit, they beat the Cowboys. That was a good win. I get that. Uh, but you're not in Miami. You're banged up. You're going to this cold weather. And again, Matt, I don't know why you're going to put yourself through that weather, but you did grow up in the East Coast. I did not. But give me the Chiefs and to cover the spread too as well. Yeah, you know what? Especially with the Chiefs, since I, I grew up uh, you know, rooting for them, my dad's a huge Chiefs fan. Like I always try to make sure I'm measured and tempered with them because if anything, I, I kind of actually grew up with them like pessimists. Most of my life, they did nothing but just, just hurt me emotionally. I could be wrong with this game, and if I am, I'll come on here and I'll eat it. I think the Chiefs are going to absolutely plow Miami <laughs> in this game. I, I just look, it's and it's a, it's a lot of things. To be fair, like many Dolphin fans out there, are like, oh, that's crap. Listen, it's because of the injuries. Number one, I mean, at some point, there's a, there's just a juncture where you can't overcome it. They have a million guys who are either out or maybe they'll play, but they're really beat up. Like if Waddle and Mostert play, which I think they will, they're not a hundred percent. Hill's not a hundred percent. You know, I mean, you look at the defensive side of the ball, they're missing half their starters. They're bringing in Bruce Irvin. Like, they're like, hey, Bruce Irvin's going to play on, on Saturday night, guys. Like, the other problem I think they have in this game, on both sides of the ball, because they're missing their starting center, who has a torn ACL, communication in this game. You are on the road. It is brutally cold. It's going to be extremely loud. You've got to be able to communicate when the Chiefs are moving and shifting and bringing different looks, whether it be on the offensive or defensive side. That's a lot easier at home than it is on the road. And when they played them in Germany, it was a pro Chiefs crowd, but that's a hell of a lot different than playing at Arrowhead Stadium. That is a tough thing. The Dolphins have openly talked about the fact that crowd noise has been a big problem for them this year with all the motions that they do. They try to time things up. I think the biggest mismatch this weekend is Spagnolo against that, that rhythm offense. I think it is the biggest one. They are going to blitz them relentlessly from a million different angles. I went back and looked. The Chiefs sacked the Dolphins three times in Week 9. When the Dolphins give up three or more sacks, they're 1-5. Otherwise, they're 10-1. and one. The Chiefs are second in the league with 57 sacks. I will expect that the Chiefs are going to... And by the way, the Dolphins are third. It's just that the Dolphins don't have half their edge rushers. Um, I think if they were healthy, this would be a really, really good football game. But they're not healthy. The Chiefs have all the experience in the world, and they're at home. I don't buy into the Chiefs right now as like, so, oh, they're back because they beat Cincinnati. Listen, they got a lot of, of proving to do the way they've played offensively this season. And I do think if the Dolphins win, it's going to be because of things the Chiefs have done all year, which is turn the ball over, make sloppy mistakes. That could be where the Dolphins win. But if the Chiefs don't turn the ball over in this game, I, I just I don't see it. I, don't, I think the Chiefs are going to do everything they can to take the run game away. And in that weather, say, go ahead, beat us. Throw the football. Nobody's thrown for 300 yards against them this year. They've given up two 100-yard receivers. One was Joshua Palmer. The other was Christian Kirk in Week 2. And the Jags in that game scored nine points. I think it's a really, really big ask of Miami to go in there and win this football game. Yeah, I'm with you. All right.
The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Let's keep it rolling. Uh, Sunday afternoon, the Bills hosting the Steelers. The Bills, uh, this is like the ultimate Buffalo experience. We've gone from they're a favorite to they're not going to make the playoffs to they're the two seed. And here we are, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Dolphins, the Browns, all 11 wins in the AFC. The Bills are hosting Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh looked deader than hell. They lost at home to New England and Arizona in consecutive weeks. And they're like, okay, they're done, and here comes Mason Rudolph. But who the hell? Mason Rudolph, who knew? Three straight wins. I know the last one is against backups, and they barely won. I get it. They're 10-7. and seven. The Bills Properly favored, in my opinion, as the biggest favorite of the week. Nine and a half. Some books have them at 10. SI Sportsbook has them at nine and a half. Uh, do, you, do you like the Bills in this game? And, and I think more to the point, let's be real. Do you like them to cover despite uh, it could be Gale Force wins there coming off the lake? Yeah, you know, I do like the Bills to cover. You know, I, I don't feel too good about it because they, they tend to be a mixed bag and you never know what you're going to get with them. You get turnovers and things like that. But, you know, you know, for, from going from a fringe playoff team to get to the number two seed, winning five games in a row, it wasn't the prettiest gauntlet, but they've getting it done, and I think they have enough to get it done against the Steelers. And, and to the Steelers, I give them credit, and it's funny how things work out when you have a, a, a decent quarterback. Uh, George Pick is making plays. Najee Harris is making plays. Jalen Warren making plays. Deontay Johnson making plays. So they got playmakers out there. But uh, eventually this Mason Rudolph thing is going to wear off. I feel like there's a reason why. He's not a full-time starting quarterback in the NFL. And maybe he'll compete for a job with Kenny Pickett next year. And hopefully, 
And, and by the way, real quick, like this, these reports about you know the Steelers saying, "Hey, we still believe in Kenny Pickett." No, you don't. No, they You're, don't. <laughs> he's he's no, healthy. Don't. <laughs> he's healthy, and he's not going to start the playoff game, man. So uh, if you want to go ahead and chime in, because that that definitely made me laugh too. <laughs> Come on, man. Hey, listen. We love Kenny. By the way, he's going to sit there and watch Mason Rudolph play a playoff game. But hey, we totally believe That's in Kenny guy. Pickett. Things are good. Things are things are looking great. Uh, yeah, Kenny Pickett's lucky if he has another year in Pittsburgh. Um, so listen, I think this game goes one of two ways, which is why if I was a gambler, which I'm not, I wouldn't touch this game. This is either 31 nothing at halftime and the Bills are absolutely blowing the Steelers out of the building. Or this is 20-20 to at the two-minute warning. And it's just absolute chaos for, for 60 straight minutes. Like, I could see a world where the Bills come out and just blow them out of the stadium, man. It's just, you know, haymaker after haymaker. And Rudolph can't do anything. And it's one of those games where you get, like, the CBS graphic where the yardage is, like, 200 to 6. I could see it being that. I could also see a world where you're like, Josh Allen just threw his fourth interception. And it's just, you know, like, what is happening? Like, Mason Rudolph is driving them down the field. The George Pickens, like... I will take the Steelers to cover the number. I don't think they win. I do think with 10 minutes left, there's a very real possibility that everyone in Buffalo is in, is in arrhythmia at that point. As you're watching, you're like, oh my God, Mason Rudolph is down five with the ball. Like It's just complete, like the worst possible scenarios in play. I will say this, man, and, I, and I'm serious. I went to school three hours away from Buffalo, but I went... Um, on the shores of like Lake Ontario. I mean, like literally, if I walked out of my dorm room and threw a football, I could have hit the lake. That wind up there is a whole different animal. Like it is as much like Cleveland. Like when it's coming off those lakes, and look, I lived in Chicago for years, like live outside of it now. When you get wind off those lakes, it is no joke. I mean, it is unbelievable how consistent, how hard that wind can blow. That is the one concern if I'm a Bills fan I'd have in this game. If you get a day where it is just whipping as it's supposed to be, and we're talking 25, 30 mile an hour, sustained winds with gusts up to near 60 miles an hour, I don't care how hard you throw a football, you're not throwing the ball downfield. You're not. Not with any accuracy. That would Because all it takes is that ball being off by six inches, and it's a pick. It's a pick six. Like... If, if, if you get a really windy day there, that definitely plays to Pittsburgh's benefit. Because now all of a sudden, you're not worried about them going over the top. You're not worried about having to keep two safeties back. Now it's, hey, you know what? We'll play ground and pound with you all day long. That's what you want to play? We can do that. I think the Bills win the game. But I, I think there's no in-between with this. This is either the Bills show their might and they destroy them, or... We're sitting here going, man, either can you believe they lost that game or, hey, they won, but whoa, like that was a lot closer than it should have been. So pencil me in for Buffalo winning, uh, but Pittsburgh at least being respectable. In Dallas, first of the three NFC games, Packers visiting the Cowboys. And really what is kind of an old school matchup. These teams saw each other playing in the 90s when we were all growing up. That was always a matchup you looked forward to. Uh, you know, the Favre and Aikman days now. Uh, we move into Jordan Love uh, territory. He has played great this year, 32 touchdown passes, but they are big fa- or, excuse me, big underdogs on the road going to AT&T Stadium. They, they are getting 7.5 as the Cowboys laying more than a touchdown. Cowboys have been great at home. They're undefeated this year. The Packers' defense has been wobbly, but the offense has really taken wing here in the last month and a half. The Packers started the year 3-6, and six, finished 6-2 six and two to make it into the postseason. Do you give the Packers a chance in this game? Do you like Dallas big? 
Yeah, I think I saw that uh, since the the format expands to uh, seven teams, that the seventh seed have never been a number two team. And I started thinking maybe this could be the year. But uh, you know what? I'll take the Packers to cover, but give me the Cowboys to win because of what you just mentioned not too long ago. The the home winning streak, they're better at home. Like the splits are much better than road and, and, and home. So, you know, they like playing on turf. They got CeeDee Lamb. They got Dak Prescott. But it could be a lot of trouble if the Cowboys don't win this one here. So for Dak Prescott's future, who needs a contract, Mike McCarthy's future, when you got Bill Belichick hovering around, you got uh, you know Jim Harbaugh, big names like that out there. So... A lot of pressure on the Cowboys, and I think that's why I feel like maybe they might make it close. But they could definitely, you know, just kind of quiet a bunch of narratives because the boogeyman, Aaron Rodgers, broke your heart so many times in the playoffs. He's not around anymore. You're playing the Packers. Go tell Jordan Love it won't be like that anymore and and, and beat him down. Beat these young Packers pretty good. They're a 9-8 they're team. You do not belong in your class, Dallas Cowboys. So I'm not saying they're going to handle business and crush them that bad because I love Jordan Love's uh, talent. I love his playmakers. I like their coach, Matt LaFleur. I don't like the defensive side. They're very unpredictable with Joe Burry, but they uh, they do have some talent. But they're at home. You got CeeDee Lamb. Don't mess it up, Mike McCarthy, if it gets close in crunch time. Uh, and Prescott, if, if you're a top three MVP candidate and you want to get that big-time contract that you're expected to get, win a freaking playoff game, and, and do it handily, which I don't think they will, but I'll pick the Cowboys just because experience, talent, being at home, uh, show way in their favor. Yeah, I like Dallas to win. I think the Packers are respectable, though, in the game. I do. I actually think the, the Cowboys are going to give up some points in this game, uh, provided that the, that the Packers' offensive line holds up, because that obviously is very big against Lawrence and Parsons. Uh, yeah, I, look, I think it's a kind of a game where it's like right around the number. You know, 31-24, you know, 33-23, 20, you know, 7 to 10 points. I think it's right in that range. I think it's a fun game to watch. If you're the Packers, what the hell? You got nothing to lose in this game. You know? I mean, I know I, I believe I picked them to be in the playoffs this year, but like nobody was picking them to go far, right? Nobody was like, hey, you know what's yeah. gonna happen? The Packers are gonna go to the Super Bowl. I remember watching them in training camp and thinking, like, this is a fun team. They're young, they're excited, but like, you know, you kind of knew there were gonna be growing pains, and there were. They started out three and six. Um I think the Packers play reasonably well. I'll tell you one thing, they're gonna outcoach them with LaFleur. They're gonna outcoach them. The the but the problem for Green Bay is when Dallas has the ball, Dallas is going to outcoach him. So, like, I trust Dan Quinn more than I – like, I trust Dan Quinn to hold up better against LaFleur than I do with Joe Barry against Dallas's offense. This is the problem. LaFleur is the better coach overall, but, like, when you factor in the staff, I think it evens out a lot more. I like Dallas, 7 to 10 points. I'll say that they cover, um, but I, I think it's a good game. I think it's a game that's fun to watch. And Sunday, real quick, Matt, uh, we should probably me. cut out that cut out that clip of you saying good things about Matt Lafleur because Packer fans are not happy with us right now. Yeah, they're gonna get over it. Um, <laughs> I offered to do a spaces on the SI Twitter feed and just absolutely go after Packers. Hey, listen, listen. First of all, for people out there listening, going like, why? We did our postseason awards where we. Um, I think this was anonymous, right? We always kind of yeah, made our yeah. vote. Okay, so they were anonymous, and we did like Coach of the Year, MVP, all this stuff. Packers fans, I rate that Matt LaFleur was not our coach of the year. I didn't think I had Matt LaFleur on my list. Look, first of all... Nobody voted for him. So even though it's anonymous, it's obvious that nobody I voted. don't care if it's anonymous. And I'll tell you straight up. Like, <laughs> yeah, D'Amico, okay, I'm not going to out anybody else. I'll out myself. D'Amico yeah. Ryans, for me, is coach of the year along... Or Stefanski or Steichen. Those three guys. You pick. Okay, now, now I think at this point, with Steichen not having made the playoffs, it's more between Ryan and Stefanski. I went with Stefanski. I mean, the man started five quarterbacks, for God's sakes, and made the playoffs. 
Um, and in the division where three teams made the playoffs. It wasn't like it was some cakewalk. I had Dan Campbell in there. Look, you want to argue Mountain Florida deserves some votes. That's fine. But get out of here with this. Like, the, you, you went you went 9-8 and eight with a quarterback who threw 32 touchdowns and a defense that has, what, eight first-round picks on it? Shut up. Just stop. Like, the, the, the idea that, like, you're so, oh, that's not fair to him. Oh, come on. And listen, I like Matt LaFleur a lot. In fact, I'll tell you a story. I went up to, so I, I've been up to Green Bay a lot this year. I went up for OTAs. I wrote a story about Jordan Love, who was great, super generous, nice guy. I went back up for camp. I sat, so Matt LaFleur, the Packers were like, we'll give you 10 minutes with LaFleur one-on-one. Like, All right, cool, great. Practice runs a little late. They get out of practice, and LaFleur's throwing the ball with these two little kids. Turns out they were his sons, right? So they're throwing the ball around. I'm sitting there waiting. The Packers are like profusely apologizing. It's ridiculous. Like, let the man throw the ball around with his kid. The Packers, first class, so they're great. So he comes off the field. And he's like, hey, man, how you doing? We're talking, we're chatting. He sat there for a half an hour while he was eating his lunch. We started talking. We, we finished the interview. Then he starts talking. Hey, man, how, you know, you got kids. You know, where do you live? We're going through all this stuff. Got to know each other really well. Matt LaFleur is a, is a first class guy. But I'm sorry. Like, I would vote for Stefanski or Ryans or Steichen. Nobody in the world thought the Colts were going to be 9-8 and eight this year. So, yes, I, I, I love LaFleur as a coach. Great dude. He does not get my vote. Sorry, Green Bay. I'm sorry. You'll be okay. You get over it. Um, I have no time for that nonsense. <laughs> get out of here with that. Um, a lot of angry people up there these days. Yeah. So, all right. This, to me, is the best game of the weekend. Storyline and just matchup straight up. The Lions and the Rams. The Lions are favored by three and a half over at SI Sportsbook. Some books have it at three. Um, it's a Sunday night game. First playoff game in Detroit since 1993. It is breaking the longest drought that there is, 30 years. Ford Field, of course, wasn't around then. Back then, it was a Silverdome. This is the first time there's ever been a playoff game at Ford Field. And what do you know? Matthew Stafford is going to be the opposing quarterback. And Jared Goff gets to go against his old team, as you laid out. And Brad Holmes is involved. I mean, this is it's a bring back Brockers just to kind of like get the band together. This is this is a really, really good game. The Rams have been hot as hell. They've won seven of the last eight. I think nationally the Rams are a little under the radar. Like, Puka Nakua, everybody I think knows at this point if you're a football fan. Like, he broke the receiving record for rookies. He was amazing. But you have Cooper Cup. You also have Kyron Williams, who nobody talks about nationally. Guy's unbelievable. Right, like right up there in the rushing race, right behind McCaffrey. I'll t- I'll lead off. I, I I'm going to take the Rams in this game. I love what the Lions have done, and I believe in the Lions. This isn't a knock on Detroit. It's more that defensively they've struggled. And I was on the fence with this game, and then Laporta got hurt, and I know he might play, but if he's not 100, percent man, that changes this whole game. That changes everything for me about this football game because he is by far their number two option in the passing game. I'll take the Rams in a real close game. Like, I, I don't even think, like, I, I will take the Rams, obviously, just on money line, but I, I think even if you like the Lions, I, I would take the Rams to cover. Like, this is going to be a really good game. I just like LA a little bit more the way they're playing right now. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I was kind of on, on the fence here, and, and I feel like the Rams were going to be the trendy upset pick. And But then Sam Laporta went down, and I'm like, I really want to go with Detroit. Just, cause they're at home, and they got, they got more weapons, they're more explosive, and and it feels like there's just too. There's a lot to account for, and then also, you know, you know, the Rams are inexperienced too, but they do have Stafford and Cup and Donald. But 
you know, I, I, I'm going to go with the Rams just because of the Laporta factor. And it's not that simple, but they're kind of similarly built. This, both teams could go for 30 points. It's going to be a high scoring affair. And both have secondary problems. They, they, they like to allow some, some big gains uh, in games. And, and I feel like maybe the, you know, the thing about you mentioned the Rams being under the radar, they only had one primetime game, that Saints game, after this, this late uh, midseason turnaround. So people are going to get to know Kyron Williams and Puka Nakua. Uh, come Sunday night, but you know they're just a t- fun team to watch. Matthew Stafford is is healthy; he's dealing a good run, a good running game. And Cooper Cup is now the number two option. That means something good happened with Puka Nakua be a number one. They do have a Tyler Higby to help out as a tight end. And then defensively, I love Kobe Turner. I love Aaron Donald. I love their defensive front. Ernest Jones doesn't get a lot of love. Also, I think he got a Pro Bowl stump there at the linebacker. But they do have issues in secondary. They have a lot of problems in the special teams, and they can't figure out their kicker. That does concern me, but if it's a shootout, toe-to-toe, you know, first team to 30 points or maybe 35 points win this game, I'm going to go with the Rams, and, and I'll take them, too, uh, for the money line. Last game. And I don't know how to feel about this game, both in terms of having to watch it and also having to pick it. Uh, Eagles at Bucks. This was a Week 3 game. The Eagles won 25-11. Obviously, quite a bit has changed since that Week 3 game. Uh, the Eagles can't stop you, me, and nine people off the street. Uh, and the Buccaneers are 9-8. and eight. They won their division. Wasn't exactly a tour de force there Week 18. 9-0 over the two-win Panthers. Uh, Mayfield is banged up. He's got the rib injury, but he's going to play. I'll tell you what, man. I, I'm taking the Eagles for one reason. I think Mayfield's hurt. Well, I guess two reasons. Mayfield is hurt. That scares me. But the biggest reason is just I know the Eagles have been absolutely disastrous the last month and a half. I think pride alone, they just find a way to win this game. Like They might get mm. plastered in the divisional round. I think they find a way in Tampa. I don't trust the Bucs. I mean, if you look at the Buccaneers, listen, give them all the credit in the world. Most of their wins have come against the NFC South and the AFC South. Like It's not exactly like they've been beating the best teams in the league. So give me, give me Philly in what is a game that I, I don't have a ton of excitement about. I think both teams are going nowhere fast. Uh, but I think the Eagles are the better team. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted to go off of that. You know, the pride and talent for the Eagles, and it's so hard to, to overlook them in this matchup against, you know, they're better on paper than the Buccaneers, and they are 9-8, and they barely won the NFC South. But they just look like they're, they're a team that's fatigued. You know, they don't, they, they're, they're, you're kind of having some messy situation defensively. They don't, they don't seem connected. Like, they don't want to be there. Then you got the A.J. Brown injury, Devontae Smith injury, Jalen Hurts with, with the finger injury. So, too many factors for me to overcome, and I, I'll take another home underdog here with the Buccaneers. And they didn't look great against the Panthers. You you, you beat the Panthers nine to zero, and you you barely won the division. I don't feel good about it, you know. But but I like uh, I like uh, Baker Mayfield. He's up and down. I do like the Mike Evans factor, Chris Godwin, you know, Rashad White. They have a good offense there, uh, and that's why uh, uh, the OC Dave out there uh, is, is getting some love for a head coaching job. So. Uh, give me the Buccaneers in an upset. You know, I don't feel too good about the, the Asian defense, but I think Todd Bowles can maybe have a decent game plan to kind of slow, slow down Jalen Hurts and that team there. So give me the Buccaneers to make it interesting. I hear you. All right. We're almost up against the hour, so we'll, we'll wrap it there. Thank you for listening to the Monday Morning Quarterback uh, Podcast. Again, as always, uh, I am Matt Verderam along with Gilberto Manzano. Hopefully your team is in the playoffs this week, and hopefully you're enjoying it. Uh, we can't wait. And I'm going to go pack every single layer of clothing I own. So, for Gilberto Manzano, I am Matt Verdant. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.
there's a shortcut to platinum status at Shell. To saving 10 cents per gallon on every fill every day. Just fill up six times with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline and it's yours. Plus, you'll rejuvenate your engine. Get ready to level up performance, rewards, and savings. With continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors, Platinum Status is earned with 12 Phillips over three months, 10-gallon minimum per fill-up at participating Shell locations. Terms apply. Visit fuelrewards.com slash status. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.